thank you for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email to amen at imtheexchange.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at imtheexchange.com. Doing this will help us to bless others and bring messages to you each week. Today's message is from our executive pastor, Pastor Kevin Kelts. Please take a moment and prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. My, my heart is always to give you an extra, encouraging word. It's to build you guys up. It's to be that fivefold ministry gift, and that is to equip. It's to edify. And so we just are so thankful that uh, things are back kind of getting back into full swing again. So it's good to see some friendly faces this morning. And so um, I want you, if you brought your Bibles, get them out and turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. We've been in a sermon series, and this is going to be finishing up this week. We've been talking about how to be brave, how to be brave, where we are living in a world right now that's been going through an epidemic. It's been going through all kinds of craziness. Here's the thing. People are going through the same thing that you are, and somehow, some way, there are some that are overcoming and are still winning and still moving forward and still graining, gaining ground and there are a lot of people, though, that have become depressed and have backtracked. And, and I, we believe just as being sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords that we have something great. We have something uh, that, you know, Paul talked about, this great treasure hidden in a jar of clay, and that is inside of us. So we want to know how to have the answers, how to get that out, and be how, how to be brave. And so that's what we've been going through. So we've been in 2 Kings chapter 6. Well, we've actually uh, been in this series in uh, Philippians chapter 4, but I want to take you to 2 Kings chapter 6. I'll put it up on the screen for you. And I also want to remind you this morning, if you would, get out your phones and check in on Facebook. Uh, that's going to help us this morning. Um, you can hashtag right there, give vitamins. Um, when we do this, we're going to be helping to give vitamins to children in need this morning. Also, if you're watching live this morning, go ahead and, and uh, give us a shout out. Um, also, share the feed. Somebody else may uh, be scrolling through their Facebook this morning, see that feed, click on it, and, and just may have an encouraging word that they've been, been needing to hear. So, 2 Kings chapter 6, and we're going to pick up right there. I'm going to just start to read. This is, this is what we read. When the servant of the man of God, he got up and he went out early in the morning. So he just, he just woke up. He even got his coffee yet, all right? He just woke up. He even got to get the sleepy out of his eyes. He looks over, and it says he saw an army with horses and chariots, and they had surrounded the city. Everybody say surrounded. Come on, say surrounded. Have you ever woken up in the morning and it seems like you're already surrounded by problems? It seems like you're already fighting the things that you were fighting the day before. Like you just want to, have you ever just gotten up in the morning and felt like I just want to pull the covers back over my head? I don't want to face today, man. Well, I tell you, I have. I know that you have experienced that, I have experienced that, and here we have the servant of Elisha, and he wakes up, and, and here was the problem. Elisha was a secret weapon for the people of God. It was God's right-hand man on the earth way, 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 way back. This is in the, the, the Jewish scriptures that we're reading out of right now, and so this is in the Old Covenant. And he was God's man with the plan. He was God's man with the answer. And many times God would show the prophet where the enemy was. The enemy did not like this because they wanted to kill God's people. They wanted to destroy God's people. And so Elisha would tell them where 
the, the enemy was, and they would reroute and go around the enemy, and so they were foiled again. Well, guess what? They have now stopped trying to destroy the king and all these people. Now they've gone after the prophet. And his, his uh, servant wakes up and he looks out. And he sees, like I said, he ain't got a coffee yet. He looks out and he says this army, his, the problems are surrounding him. And this is what he says. Oh, no, my Lord. That's probably all of us have said that before, right? Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked, verse 16, this is what Elisha says. He says, don't be afraid. And then he says this. this is, it's why. This is his because. Because those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, the servant does a double take. He does wipe the sleepy out of his eyes because he's thinking, Maybe I'm not seeing what you're seeing. And he looks again, and he thinks, man, the prophet has done lost his mind. Because all I see is the, the enemy surrounding us. I don't know what school the prophet went to, but he can't count. There's two of us, and there's an army out there. There's not, I, I, this is what I see, prophet. This is what I'm looking at. I'm, we are outnumbered. We are outmanned. I don't see any way out of this. And then this, this is what happens. In verse 17, it's recorded, Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. And I'm sure the servant was like, that's not what I wanted him to pray. I wanted him to pray, you know, lightning from the sky, fire from the heavens down on these guys, right? Weapons, you know, swords, we need, no, 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 not, I don't need to see. I, I can see. I can already see what's out there. But he says, God, open his eyes that he may see. And we read, it's recorded, then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw that the hills were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Well, We've been, like I said in this, this series, and we've been talking about how to be brave, how to access your faith, how to overcome in, in the middle of any situation that you may be facing. Because the truth is, it's all relative, right? It, it really is all relative. Um, you know, I, I was thinking over this, this, this time, Jared texted me one day, and he said, man, be praying for this family from our daycare. This is right at the first of the epidemic. Um, and he said there's a, a young man, a little bit younger than us. He, he uh, I clicked, there was a link to his Facebook, and he was a, a bodybuilder, uh, just ripped up, and, you know, in his probably late 30s, and um, he, he said, Jared was like, man, his son is one of my favorite kids in our daycare, and, uh, and he said, I need you to pray for him because the, the man, the young father, he went to the doctor because he felt he had some symptoms. He felt bad. He thought he had uh, COVID-19. And, and they tested him and said, no, 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 you're good. And they sent him home. And, uh, and then he, this, he went and got tested again. Well, the third time, uh, they found out he had a rare, rare form of cancer. And they only gave him, like, it was days to live. It was... I mean, it might have been like two months, but he didn't last that long. And uh, he was in the middle of the what was going on at the first of the epidemic. They had closed everything down. They had shut down. And he was quarantined, and his family could not see him. And so he was just dying alone. And, man, you think about that. And he, he did. He passed away. It was, it was just a horrible, horrible situation. You think about that situation, and that's like, wow. It starts to put a lot of things that we face into perspective, right? I remember when our son was diagnosed with, with um, his disease, and it was just like, oh my gosh, this is the biggest thing. This is the biggest thing. 
And, uh, you know, when you hear the word terminal and you hear all these things that you're facing and like this baby, we didn't think our baby was going to have, you know, cystic fibrosis. And then we start going through it and I would have high times and low times and high times and low times. And then one day I was in a hospital when Kagan was, he had been uh, in there for, for several, several days, almost two weeks. And I got lost in the hospital and I found myself in the cancer ward for children. And I had been feeling sorry for myself because my son was in the hospital and all these other people that I knew, their, their family wasn't in the hospital. And then I walked in there and these people only had hours or days left with their child. And all of a sudden, there was perspective. I was thankful for our situation. I was just like, wow. But here's the thing. Whatever you're going through, when you can compare it to the the situation that Jared brought to me or my situation that I'm going through, whatever you're going through, <laughs> you don't have to compare it. It's the hardest to you because you're going through it, you know, big or small, whatever it is. You may be going through, um, you know, facing difficulty in your marriage right now. You may be facing difficulty in your finances right now. And you're like, man, I don't know. You know, we've been out of work and, and we got a part of a stimulus, but that didn't do a dent in what we owe, and then you're like, wow, but I mean, at least, you know, we're not dying of cancer. Thanks, Pastor, for giving us perspective. But when you leave, you still have to face that. You still have to face you don't have any money in your bank account. It doesn't make it any less, right? You're still going through it. And so today, I was looking at these two stories, and I see that, well, in the series, we've been talking about Philippians 4 and how here is, I, I, I was just looking how here's a guy who now is in the new covenant and all things have been given to us. All things have been poured out through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. He's ascended. He's gone. He's sent this. It, 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 I mean, it's now. It's here. It's go time. And then we have another guy who's in the old covenant and it was completely different time. And each one of them are winning. Right? And, and there's, I want to show you how to connect to that today, how to connect to what is on the inside of you. Because here is when in Philippians chapter 4.13, I'll just go back to it. It's one of the most famous scriptures that we've ever, um, ever you know, quote and talk about. Uh, it's, it's usually on the, the weight room. You know, when, if you ever go to a weight room and it's right over the bench press, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because, you know, when Paul was, was pinning that in a prison, you know, uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, that's, that was what was on his mind was, you know, maxing out at 315, right? Like, like, you know, oh, you can do it. Like that's, but that's what we've taken it to, right? Lock it out, lock it out. So, so what, what he says here though, is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Everybody say strength. Everybody say strength. Here's the thing about strength. When we see that word or we think about the word strength, we usually think of somebody that looks like this, the, the rock. He, he is a guy who just looks strong, right? He's huge. I mean, he played college football. He is just like six foot four. Uh, I follow him on Instagram the other day. He was talking about right now, I think his weight is he's right at 300 pounds. And it's, he has like zero body fat. He's just, and when you, when you look and you think about strength, you think about muscles. You think about describing a person who looks like the rock. But when Paul is pinning this and he's talking about str strength, Paul is not talking about that right there. What we would think is outward strength. He is actually describing an inward strength. Look at your neighbor and say inward strength. It's actually invisible. And that's the thing that is so hard about it. That's the thing that is, is it, it becomes something that is like drives us crazy because you can't see it, right? Have you ever met somebody that is stronger than they look? Like they don't look like the rock. But they're just strong, man. They can just make it through anything. You're like, man, that person has inward strength. Look at your neighbor right now and say, I'm stronger than I look. You're stronger than you look. And I'm telling you that you are this morning. I want to tell you how to tap into that this morning. And Paul is 
when he's pinning this, that's what he's saying. He's saying, I look weak. I'm in chains. I am imprisoned right now. I look weak, but I'm stronger than I look. I'm tougher than I look. He's not talking about triceps and biceps when he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He is talking about there is something inside of me that I can tap into. There is a source. There is an inward strength that I have learned. And and in verse 11, he says, not that I speak in regard to need. Because people think about, when when we think about all these needs, it's like, no, no, no. He's like, God is my source. I have no need. He says, for I have learned, in verse 11, I have learned. And he's like, I've lived life long enough to where I didn't have some things that I thought I needed. And I didn't get some things that I thought I wanted. And now I have learned, he says, in whatever state that I am in. He says this, to be content. Oh, we do not like that word content. I'm going to give you an unexpected connection here with the word content. You see, contentment and confidence are connected. Contentment and confidence are connected. Because if you are content, you realize that you have everything that you need. Right, That God has, has given you everything. That whatever you don't have, you don't need it. If you realize that, then what can the world take away from you that could ever shake your confidence? You're completely confident. If you're content, then you will be, as a byproduct of your contentment, you're going to be a person that's confident. And in verse 12, he goes on to say, I know how to be abased. It means to, to not have much. And I know how to abound. He's saying, I know what it's like to only eat ramen noodles, but I also know what it's like to be able to afford to eat T-bone, right? Everywhere and in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both abound and to suffer. And in this context, he delivers this great athlete that's above all bench press stations across the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say it again, strength. Come on, say it again, strength. See, God has given you. I don't remind you this, his promise of his strength. His strength, it's already in you. God's strength is in you. I just got to convince you of this today. See, the complicated thing about it is that it's invisible. It's not like you can see it on somebody, that you can see it like when you look at the rock. It's, 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 see, when Paul, when he, he's correct when he says you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength, and and I can tell you for years, I have been a sports fan. One of my favorite sports is football. And I have seen in football over the years countless guys who don't look like the rock. They don't look like they have strength, but they exhibit an inner strength that just blows people's minds. One of my favorite all-time football players is a guy named Wes Welker. And I'll put his picture up on the screen for you right now. This guy played professional football. He played high school football in Texas. Then he didn't get any college scholarship. So he decided to go walk on because he is five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing. If you were to see him walking in the mall, you would not recognize this guy as, wow, that guy looks like a professional athlete because he doesn't. He just looks like a dweeb. He just looks like a regular, you know, guy just walking down the mall. And what he did is he says, you know what, I, I think that my, I, can, I can go after my dream. So he walks on. He doesn't, you can, you can leave that picture up there, please. He walks on at Texas Tech, and he earns a scholarship. When they said that he wouldn't even have a place in college football, he earns a scholarship. Not only does he earn a scholarship, he ends up, catching 259 receptions in his career for 3,119 yards, 21 touchdowns, 79 rushes for 456 yards and two touchdowns. He scored eight touchdowns, returning punts in his career. That's still tied for the NCAA record of all time. All time, okay? You look at this little dweeb, okay? And this dude is breaking records, holding records. Well... 
he, he crushed it. He crushed it. But here's the thing. Look at him. So the guys next to him on the right side of the picture, those are normal-looking football players, right? One guy is six foot five. One guy is six foot six, right? They're both. One of them is a tight end. He weighs about 265 pounds, solid muscles. The other guy, he weighs about 225 pounds, solid muscles. <laughs> and their heads are cut off because we're trying to zoom in on old Wessie there, right? So Wes has this invisible strength. Well, listen, he killed it in college. He, he cut his teeth. He proved himself. He didn't even get, he was one of the top, he, 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 he got the award for the, the, the greatest uh, college football special teams player in all of football, the Mosi uh, Totapu Award, okay? He doesn't even get invited to the, N, the NFL draft. He doesn't get, it's like, they're like, no, well, that was just a, whatever, he's too small. So they, he calls a friend who is on staff at the Miami Dolphins because there's another guy that had done some great things from Texas Tech at Miami Dolphins. He's like, man, can you just give me a tryout? So he walks on to the NFL. He walks on to an NFL team, and they're like, yeah, you know what? We think you could catch punt and return punts for us because you're kind of good at that at college. Well, not only did he make the team, okay, he was countless times all pro, Countless times he was a um, he was he was uh, selected to the All Pro team, he was uh, selected to the Pro Bowl team, he led the NFL in receptions in 2007, 2009, 2011. So he killed, he crushed it, right? But when you look at this guy, it's like, man, sometimes strength it's invisible, kind of like. This video that you'll see right here, you'll see some invisible strength. Hey, give it up for invisible strength right there. Nolan Cheddar. A lot of people don't know, but that is the mascot for Nolan's Cheddar, the mouse. He, he was Jazzy Jizz, the mouse. So pretty, pretty awesome fact. A lot of people don't know, but um, he had invisible strength. He looked like he was down and out. He was, you know, he didn't have, there's no way that he could make it. And then he fought just like, just like Paul, just like Wes Welker. And I want to tell you today that you have an invisible strength that's inside of you. Paul continues in his letter, and he says in verse 19, And my God shall supply, everybody say supply. Say supply. My God, he says, shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Paul speaks 
of an invisible strength in verse 13, and then he speaks of an unlimited supply in verse 19, and that's it. That's, that's what we have to realize, guys, that we each have an invisible strength, and we have an unlimited supply, and I don't know if that makes you excited today, but that makes me excited. We have a great God who promises that is, uh, that is available to each and every one of us. You see, many of our fears are rooted in this idea that I may not have enough, that I may not be enough, that whatever you're facing, whatever thing that is causing you not to be brave, to have fear, that you are backing down, that it's making you want to quit. It's that thought that's going through your mind, like, this is it. This is the end, my friend, right? Like, I can't. I may not have enough. I can't do this. And in two verses, Paul takes those fears, and he takes them to the back, and he buries them in the gray of God's faithfulness. He says, I've learned through the stuff that I've went through. That's how I learned that God is strong in me, through the things I went through. He says, I have learned through the stuff that I didn't have, that when I didn't have stuff, that's when God provided. That's, it was his supply. I got into his supply. Strength and supply. Strength and supply. Paul is saying, I'm confident because I am convinced of God's strength and his supply and that he is always more than enough. That's a good place to say amen. And I want you to see the connection to the story that we started reading because Elisha and his servant are surrounded by the enemy, and they have a plan to take them out, to destroy them, to kill them. That is why that they are there. There's no way out. It's over. This is the end. Kind of the same situation with Paul. He's surrounded by chains. He's surrounded by guards. He's surrounded by these, this, this jail cell that, that he is in. And I want you to see that in, with both Elisha and Paul, that they both had in what they were going through a supernatural vision. They tapped into a supernatural vision. You see, it's not your situation that determines your ability to be greater. It's how you see your situation that determines your ability to move forward into the kingdom and establish his kingdom on this earth. You see, one time Paul prayed this prayer. He said, I pray that God would not, would not get you out of your situation, but that he would open the eyes of your heart that you may see and that you may recognize and know the hope to which you were called. He wasn't saying that God would give you more stuff. He was saying that you would be aware of what you already have on the inside of you. That is, that is why I have been sitting here today, church, to remind you of what you have the, the, the invisible strength and, and, and this unlimited supply that you have on the inside of you. You see, Paul and Elisha both had supernatural vision. They were able to see greatness where everybody else saw mediocrity. They were able to see potential where everybody else saw problems. In fact, Elisha, when he started his ministry, one of his first miracles that he ever performed, it was... Uh, it was at a stream of water that was polluted, and the people in that area were dying, and they needed to be able to drink this water. It was, their, it was going to be able to sustain their life. So Elisha gets up to the, the body of water, and he says, bring me some salt. And he takes that salt, and he starts to sprinkle it in the water, and immediately when it hits the water, it purifies the water, and it changes the entire situation. And I'm telling you, Jesus one day said, you are the salt of the earth. He was saying, what that salt did to the water, I want you and you and you to do in the earth. I want you to be able to walk into situations, desert situations, come on, and turn them into a garden again. I want you to turn what everything that has been demolished and destroyed, I want my kingdom builders on the earth to access what is on the inside of them no matter what they're facing, come on, and build a garden again. But the only way that you're going to be able to do this is to see it through. To see the miracle through your situation. You have to be able to look through your problems, look through your trials, look through 
your situation. You see, on the surface, it looked like nobody would ever be able to drink that water again. But he stepped up and he saw through the situation into the miracle. That was the miracle in 2 Kings chapter 2. In 2 Kings chapter 3, Elisha moves on in his ministry and he gets summoned by some kings and they need some rain. They are in a drought. Pastor Jared preached on this one several weeks ago when he talked about you got to dig some ditches. Y'all remember that one? Dig some ditches. Well, Elijah told those kings, I know that you can't see any clouds. I know that you haven't seen any rain, but there is water that's going to come from a place that you can't see. He could see it through. When they couldn't see it, he could see it through their situation. He could look past all the things that they were going through. Elisha had supernatural vision. He could see through any situation to see through God's perspective. To be able to see rain in a drought, he could see through it. In 2 Kings chapter 4, the next chapter, a woman was about to starve to death. And Elisha comes to help her. And he says, what do you have in your house? You're dying. You're starving your house. What do you have in your house? And she says, nothing, nothing much, just a little oil. And Elisha says, that's cool because God likes nothing much. He can do a lot with nothing much. God doesn't see a little bit where you see a little bit, lady. He sees the beginning of a lot. He sees the beginning of a great miracle. So the lady went out and she got that little bit of oil. And Elisha says, gather all the jars from your neighbors. And she's like, why? I just have a little bit of oil. And he says, well, you know what? If you can see through to your future, you can accommodate God's blessing because God is never limited by capability because he has unlimited supply. Come on, somebody. He is only limited by our capacity to receive what he has to pour into our life. And the Bible says that God started supernaturally filling her life with a blessing and what she needed. You see, Elisha could see through the situation. He could see through it. He said, my God shall supply all of our needs, and it's going to happen today. So fast forward to our story, 2 Kings chapter 6. Elisha is fast asleep in the tent, and his servant wakes up in the morning, and he looks out, and he sees it. He sees it. Guys, it's not hard to see the problem. In fact, that's the easiest thing to do, is to focus on what you're going through. You know, it's to focus on what is right in front of you. Because these are real situations. These are real problems. There was a real army out of their tents, out of their tent, there to kill them. And so, he wakes up, he looks out, and he sees them. They're surrounding us. And oftentimes, when, when Elisha would pray... God would show him where the enemy was. And this time, he didn't. And, and so the now they're surrounded. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15, I read it again. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the morning, an army with a horse and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked because the servant right now, he's completely afraid. All he can see is the enemy. He doesn't know what to do. 16. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And the servant goes, man, he, I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. The, the, the servant is looking at the enemies. Elisha doesn't see the enemies. He sees deliverance. And so Elisha, who had been through a lot, he's been through in many tough situations in his life. He prays. He knows. He knows what to do. He closes his eyes. In order to see. I'll say that again. He closes his eyes in order to see. And when he closes his eyes, he prays and he says, God, show him what I see. Show him what you see. And in verse 17, Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and you see his eyes I can tell you today, the servant's eyes were already opened. So the, the servant might, might have been a little confused because he's like, my eyes, my eyes are open. He just prayed for my eyes to open. But listen, his physical eyes were open, but spiritually he was blind. 
He wasn't able to tap into this supernatural vision that I'm talking about. He had already woken up physically. But how many know that we need to wake up twice every day? Right? we got to wake ourselves up twice every day. You need to wake up and get out of bed. And when you wake up, you wake up your body, but you also need to wake up your soul. You need to wake up and say, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Come on, somebody. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There is an inward, invisible strength that I can tap into today. And so Elisha is saying, God, give him a second wake-up call. And Elisha prays, and the Bible says in verse 17, Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. So he had that second wake-up call. And he looked and he saw, listen, listen what he saw. He saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now here's what it doesn't say. It, it, It doesn't say that when Elisha prayed that the Lord sent the horses and chariots, It says that they were already there. Look at your neighbor and say, they were already there. Come on, can I get an amen from somebody? They were already there. They were already there. Listen, it's okay to see that the enemy has set up camp overnight, but it is more important that you see that God was set up even before the enemy got there. He's already there. I'm telling you, it's something that I need you guys to see today to open up the spiritual vision and be able to see because this is really the question. It's not did God send it, is is, can you see it? Can you see what you already have in your life? Are you going to continue to focus, you know, are you going to continue just to walk around like a three-legged dog being hurt all the time not knowing what's going on? It's time to wake up. Come on, somebody. And say, I am going to see how God sees. In verse 17, then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now one thing that I do want to, I do want to bring out to you is when I visualize this, when I read this, I used to always visualize this in a certain way. Because it says, you can read it, and it says that he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So it says all around Elisha, but you're missing a certain part of it. But that's what I would focus on. So what I would focus on is, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of horses and chariots of fire. And I'm thinking these angels that look like the rock, right? They're all big and muscled up and tattooed up, you know. And they're all, and I'm thinking that they're around, like if I'm in a situation, I'm Elijah, I'm going through this, I'm visualizing they're around me. And they're protecting me, right? Open his eyes so he can see what's protecting me. They're around me. And then then they're surrounding me. They're they're back to back to back to back to back to back around me, not going to allow anything to get in and happen to me, Right? And then, and then out there, when we look outside of this tent, there's all of the enemies surrounding us. And that's how I always, always thought about this. I always thought, man, God's got my back. He's got my front. He's got me surrounded. But, but when, you, when you read the verse again, and I'll read verse 15, it says, when the, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city, the enemy, the trouble was surrounding the city. Verse 17, and Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so they may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills. Everybody say the hills. So actually, I always had it backwards. See, I, I was always taught that God was in control, that God is sovereign. Not only is he sovereign, he's absolutely sovereign. He's in control of everything. Everything that happens somehow is connected to God. And if you don't understand it, it's just because you don't understand it. So somehow God gave this little kid's dad cancer and killed him. And we just don't understand. We just need to learn by. That's not how it works. God's not in control. He is in charge, but he's not in control. God has given us all free will, and we make choices in our lives. And things happen because of that. Amen? 
And so what happens is, listen, God doesn't call bad, cause bad things to happen to people, right? But how many know that God also isn't surrounding us with fire chariots, angels, not allowing anything to happen to us either? In charge of, so I was mad at God for a long time. Like, why weren't you surrounding my son and, and not allowing diseases to get to him? Does, y'all know what I'm talking about? I was so mad at God. And then I realized God had nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with that at all. In fact, here's the thing. When you actually read this scripture, where are the, the chariots? Where is, it says the, the hills. So actually what's happening is he, Elisha, and his servant are surrounded by the problems. How many know life is going to happen to us? Bad things happen to good people. It, it just happens. That's just life, okay? But, but when they opened their eyes, what did he say? That he will see that there's more for us than there are for them. And so they're surrounding what's surrounding them. Come on, somebody. And how many know that even when bad things happen to good people, and situations and circumstances happen to us that we don't have to be afraid because God can take something that was meant for evil. And he didn't do it, but he can take it. Come on, and he can use it for good. Yes, yes, he can. He can take it, and he can now take that situation. If you can learn, too, how were they able to see God's supply and see God's vision, uh, his, uh, his supply and to, to see his strength, to see his resources, they had to look through their problem. They had to do, this is what Elijah was such a pro at. This is what Paul was such a pro at. They were able to see through their situation. And that's what I'm trying to get you to see this morning is you, whatever's surrounding you, whatever you're in the middle of, I'm telling you this morning, you got to do what Psalms 128, 121 verse 1 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. If God is for me, who can be against me? See, I'm trying to get the mature sons and daughters of God to rise up. I'm trying to get you to that place of faith again, to attach yourself to the supernatural vision. You've got to look through your problems, through your circumstances, and see that God is greater than anything that you're going through. But here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. He's not somewhere far off out there. You know where heaven is? is here. It's in us. He's given us everything that we need for life, for godliness, for whatever we are going through. According to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he says, my divine power has bestowed upon you absolutely everything you need for life. Absolutely everything you need for godliness. Guys, you have everything that you need. It's already inside of you. You just got to see through your situations and tap into what that invisible strength that is already inside of you start to access that vision, start to access that supernatural vision. Don't just wake up one time in the morning. You got to wake yourself up again spiritually and start to say, you know what now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond and all ask that I can think according or Imagine according to, according to what? According to the power. Everybody say power. This is in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Write that down and go put that right and put it all over your life this next week. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask, think, or imagine according to the power that works somewhere far off? No. Within us. Within us. You see, I was raised. I was raised with uh, a, a, an, an identity, a mindset that was constantly begging God to send supply, to open up the heavens and send Your glory. We were caught up in Moses' generation. We were caught up in an old covenant. 
And Jesus says, listen, I've, I've already opened up the windows of heaven and poured out everything that there is. Remember, remember when the, he was with the disciples one day and he says, listen, listen, guys, it's, it's been great being with y'all. And they're like, oh, my gosh, Jesus, before you, my life was a disaster. And I started following you, miracles, signs, wonders. You're spitting in this guy's eye. He can see. You're picking this guy up. Man, he can walk. Lazarus, come forth. You remember that, Jesus? That was amazing. He was dead for a couple of days, and we went and ate with Lazarus just the other day. It's amazing. He goes, yeah, has been amazing. And then he says this, but it's better for you that I go. And they go, There's, that's just dumb. That doesn't make any sense to us because it's only been better that you're here. He says, no, 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 you don't get it. He goes, because when I go, I'm going to send another. And he's not going to be with you. He's going to be in you. So it's not going to be anymore. Jesus, Jesus, come over here and heal this kid while three counties over, there's another kid dying that needs me, and I can't get to him right there. Guess what? I'm going to be in all of you. Heaven's going to be accessible to everybody, everywhere, at any time. To him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. But the only way to get this is you've got to see it through. You've got to see it through your situation. You've got to learn how to look through your problem. You've got to stop discounting yourself. Stop counting yourself out and realize that God has his hand on your life, that he is in you. He is knocking at the door of your heart, not trying to get in. He's knocking at the door of your heart, trying to get out, trying to get out to touch this world and do some great, amazing things. But you can't do it if you can't see it through. You'll stay, listen, you will waste your life. You'll waste your time constantly being anxious. What did we say the first week? For nothing. Constantly being depressed. Constantly being the opposite of faith. Constantly being the opposite of hope. All these things that are inside of you. And you're praying every day, oh, God, send me some faith. God, give me some hope. I just need hope. In Romans, he says that we would be transformed in our minds. If you believe something with your whole heart. It doesn't matter if it's false. It's true to you. And so you base your life off that. So if I could just get you to see today that you have everything that you need and it's not somewhere far off. Am I telling you not to pray? Oh, no. We need to pray. We got to pray just to make it today. I need a onesie. I need to get a onesie, man, made with we got to pray just to make it today. I got to get that done. We got to pray, but we've got to change the way that we pray. How about a prayer of thanksgiving? Wake up in the morning and say, I know how I feel. I feel like I'm looking out the door, and all I see is I'm surrounded by enemies. But God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that I have everything that I need. I thank you that I can access the hope that I need right now. It's on the inside of me. I thank you that when people look at me and they've been putting me down and they don't see me as strong, I have an invisible strength. And it is an unlimited supply of that that I can connect to today. And right now, in the name of Jesus, if you are for me, who can stand against me? And guess what? The, everything changes. Everything changes. But where I came from, we came to the altar and we begged and we pleaded and we snotted and we cried for revival. God, send the glory. God, send the strength. Send the money. Send the rain. And he's like, I already did. 
It's on the inside of you. It's in your heart. There's a well inside of you. Remember when he was talking to the woman at the well, Jesus? He said, there's something that I give that will never run dry. So I just ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. This morning, God, I I just pray like Elisha. My prayer for these awesome people, for the exchange church, Lord, is that we would open our eyes so that we could see. Not, Not our physical eyes, but our spiritual eyes, that we could see that there are more for us than those that are against us. I pray that we would get a revelation that the strength that we need and the supply that we need to, to, to have that hope and to move into great faith and to establish your kingdom on this earth is, is already here. It's not on the way. It is here. It's not about somewhere, sometime in the future. Everything is here And in response to that, God, this morning, I speak that we take action, that we access your strength and your supply, that we we move into kingdom life in our homes, in our relationships, in our marriages, in our jobs, in our finances. I declare greater joy, greater peace, greater endurance, greater hope. I declare that the exchange church is moving into maturity in the mighty name of Jesus. I declare this. Amen.